I'm your host Cameron Wanless. You can find me on Twitter at Cameron Wanless or on YouTube as C Wanless. Now let's get into the Boost Chelsea podcast. Welcome back to the Boost Chelsea podcast. Today I'm actually joined by a guest. That guest is Nini FC. Nini's YouTube channel, which is Blue Lines TV, and his second channel, which is called Nini FC, will be linked in the show notes along with his Twitter. So be sure to go and subscribe to his YouTube channels and follow him on Twitter if you want to hear more. I will actually be recording with the guys from the London is Blue podcast on the 11th. So stay tuned for that. From now on, I'm going to try and release podcasts every other Monday. I'm going to try and do that starting from the Monday that this podcast is released. And as always, don't forget to leave a five-star review on iTunes for a shout-out in the next podcast. So let's get right into the podcast. In the past, Chelsea board has been quite unforgiving towards managers. So if Conte would have got his third straight loss, uh, do you think he'd have been sacked or do you think he'd have had a, a, quite a stern talking to? Um, I don't know. This thing about Conte being sacked if, you know, Chelsea lose against Manchester United, I think that's just like logical conclusions people are coming to. There's no supporting evidence surrounding that. And I kind of feel that Chelsea are a club actually trying to slowly, you know, change their, their mentality around, you know, management and, uh, you know, how short time a lot of them have been. I mean, for example, with Mourinho, that season before Conte came, if this was previous Chelsea seasons, we would have sacked him probably after the third loss and we wouldn't have come 10th in the league that year. But, you know, Chelsea are trying to, you know, do things a bit differently, give more patience to managers. And of course, you know, there's a lot of financial worries too because when you do sack a manager, you have to give them a massive payout. And I think once AVB was sacked and we paid him a ridiculous amount, I think it was like 13 or 15 million to buy out his contract, I think that's when the mentality slowly starts to change. And that's why, you know, managers aren't getting crazy long-year contracts. And that's why, uh, you know, they seem to be pretty short contracts with, uh, you know, room for negotiation at the end of every season. But I don't think that Conte is going to get sacked afterwards, to be fair. I think maybe the club... You know, the, the rumours surrounding the club looking at alternatives, you know, I don't think there's smoke without fire. And I do feel that maybe Conte, you know, has he really pledged his allegiance to Chelsea? I mean, there have been a lot of reports stating that, you know, he regretted maybe staying on this season and he, and he would have left. And he's looking at Paris Saint-Germain possibilities and all of this, all of that. You know, the, the notion I'm getting from all these reports is that maybe Conte isn't necessarily happy, not Chelsea. Talking of Andres Villas-Boas, he got sacked the year that we won the Champions League. It seems to me that Chelsea's board is more focused, well, a lot more focused on the league rather than the cup competitions. Uh, I I guess. I mean, to be fair, probably a lot of uh, clubs probably focus on the league more than European competitions because I guess it's... uh, yeah, there's the belief that maybe, you know, you can get unlucky sometimes if you lose. But I think with the league, that's how you really, you know, you, know, you see a team's strengths and their form and, and things like that. Probably one of our main problems is that we're scoring lots, obviously not against Roma in the past week, but we're conceding far too many. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, last season I was noticing 
I've you know a few of our weaknesses, and I've always I've always been of that belief that when when moments like this happen, where you know the team aren't in their good form and they're starting to fail a bit, it doesn't happen randomly all of a sudden. You know, there's usually signs beforehand. It's just that maybe teams aren't exploiting those weaknesses as much, and I definitely feel that's been the case. I mean, last season especially, I kept reiterating reiterating the point about the left hand side being a weakness because of the gap there. I kept reiterating the point about how we aren't good at defending from uh, you know aerial set pieces. We're not good. We're not good at defending set pieces from open play, and you know headed opportunities from open play as well. And now I kept saying too that we lose possession of the ball too much because it's always about playing quick balls to the front three. And of course, our wing backs get pushed back too much. It's too easy to stop Chelsea fullbacks compared to like a Tottenham or a Man City. And I think it's only a matter of time, really, when, of course, teams in this league, you know, we are playing in the Premier League. It's professional football, very high level. It only takes teams maybe one or two games to really, you know, do better against you and really try and suss you out. And I think that's definitely what's been the case. I feel that Conte, he's, he could have made certain decisions to make that inevitable, you know, uh, uh, implosion, you could say, reduced or or not even happening in the first place. I feel that he should have adapted tactically. Some of his player selection too doesn't really strengthen the idea the ideal football he's trying to play with uh, players at the moment in time. And um yeah, I mean it's kinda inevitable really and it's a shame. I mean Conte I really expected him to try and change things up. I mean last season when he was going through different systems, you know, in every single game. 3-4-3 three, three was his plan D and of course that made the most sense because it complemented the players we had at that moment in time and I think now because you know we are susceptible to getting pressed by a man marking system uh, you know the fact that we don't keep possession is our, our biggest weakness especially when we don't have a Kante in midfield because again if you're using Fabregas you've got to use him to his strengths you've got to have him playing with the ball and dictating proceedings now if you're playing in a box to box role where he's got to run up uh, the opponent's half and one back to defend, you're not going to get the best out of him. I mean, there's, there's so many things that I feel personally Conte should be seeing and should be changing. And I think instead of getting the players to perform better in the system, you have to come to that realisation that it's the system that's not helping the players at this moment in time. Talking of 3-4-3, I'd say we're not really playing in a 3-4-3 this year. And, well, we do alternate like between 3-4-3, 3-5-2. Yeah. But when we do play the 3-4-3, we're playing more of a 5-2-3. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's that, that's the point I'm making. It's looking like a 5-2-3 because the wing-backs aren't getting up because when opposition teams man-mark our defenders and put two men on our central midfield players, we can't play out. You know, there's certain players that don't help relieve that pressure who aren't as good at playing out or receiving the ball under pressure. And that doesn't help. And then it's like... There's no passing options for the defenders then because the midfield players are marked. And if anything, I feel maybe the front three should do better. Instead of Hazard, Pedro being really tight and close to Morata, maybe if they're pushed out really wide and deeper to help with the wing-backs, that can help, you know. But um, you know, I'm not seeing that change yet. I think that... Because um, Kante said that he was allowed to run forward a lot more this season. I think maybe... He's, uh, Conte's letting, uh, Kante and Bakayoko run forward, but then he's telling the wing backs, like what, like what he was telling Matic last year, to stay back and try and defend more 
I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the case because really, if, if the wing backs are told to defend more, not push up, then there's no width. And of course, because Pedro and Hazard, they tend to collect the balls in central areas in those half spaces. That That's not going to help us to our benefit if there's no width out wide. I feel, you know, you are right. You know, Kante, you know, I don't even want to call it a box-to-box role. I, I think people have really forgotten what, what an actual box-to-box player is supposed to be. You know, it's supposed to help you defensively, start attacks from deep, get you goals up there. You know, it's not about, you know, winning tackles and having a bit more attacking agency. You know, it's, it's a lot more than that. And I feel that, uh, I don't know. I mean, Kante is getting better at that. He's unlucky that he's had that injury, but... You know, that can you know Conte definitely isn't using him and Bakayoko in that regards because uh, you know there's, there'd be no width, and and having Baka and Kante told to push forward would just make us more exposed. So um, yeah, I don't think that's the case. Um, when we were playing against Watford, um, we actually went down to one, and I felt that we were being dominated. But it was when we switched from the five-two-three to the three-four-three. And we looked a lot brighter. And when Moses came off, Zappa Costa made an immediate impact. And Batshuayi was also an amazing super sub. And I think Batshuayi isn't really a starter. He's more like on FIFA if you'd have a super sub that you bring on if you're desperate for a goal. Yeah, I understand what you mean. And again, th- this, to me, that game, um, I even said in my video, that really summed up our whole season. Because when we play with control, when we keep the ball, keep possession, when we push the wing-backs back, that's how the system is supposed to work. And that's when we look at our best. Now, when we're off the ball, when our wing-backs can't get forwards, when we're giving away possession easily because we're forcing the play to the strikers instead of trying to keep possession and build up slowly, then you see the bad part of Chelsea. And that's the part that's getting exposed now because it is fairly easy to play against once you're doing it. And when I mean, you're seeing teams like Crystal Palace... Watford and uh, and teams of that nature, when they think their best measure of winning the game is to actually, you know, kind of attack us and press us high, then you definitely know there's something wrong then because that shouldn't be happening to a club of Chelsea stature in the league right now. And even your point in regards to Mitchley, now, I understand why people might think he is better off the bench. And you know why? It's no surprise because most times when he is coming off the bench, We've got other players in those central positions that's relieving pressure away from him because Mitchie, when he's starting, is a completely different because he's got two defenders man-marking him. Now, it, you know, it looks like he he's really bad on the ball, but you've got to realise when you're holding up the ball and you've got to link people in, it is quite hard because you have to hold off a defender or two and they're putting an exciting a lot of strength and force on you. So you have to have a strong core to hold them off and then... You know, it's like you're doing two things at once. You have to think about holding someone off and then making the right option. And I think that's why playing as a target man is is pretty hard. I think that's why a lot of times, you know, long balls are the preferred method for target men to deal with things because, again, it's just, it just makes it kind of easier. All you have to focus on is winning the ball and heading it down. But, um, you know, when Mitchie's coming on, that's when he has support. And this, this is what I'm stressing about Conte now. You see that when Mitchie has someone beside him, he can play to his strengths because Mitchley is probably the best finisher at the club. Great in the air, left foot, right foot. As he attacks inside the box, his movement is very good as well. And in Watford, he had Hazard beside him that was freeing the space up for him for do, uh, to do that. And it's just, you know, like I'm saying about Conte, 
if you're going to use him, play him in his strengths. Play someone up front with him, not necessarily Morata. I feel you'd have to play like a Hazard or someone beside him. But you have to do that to free up space for him to do his thing. And, you know, it's, you know, Conte, he needs to change. It can't be this thing of waiting players to, you know, adapt to how he wants things to be. You have to adapt to the squads. Would you say passion's an issue? As has got a lot of passion, you could see it after he scored that goal. But in the rest of the squad in general, do you, would you say that that's an issue? I mean, you know what? I've always felt when confidence comes down, because here's the thing, when you're a player, you definitely know who your strong players are, who your weaknesses are. You know, you're playing in the system and with the same week in, week out. So, as you know, you're, you're going to know what's best in a way. And I kind of feel it's a combination of fatigue, because you know, that's one major thing no one's talking about. A lot of players aren't fully matched and are tired. Even though Bakayoko's been poor, he's not fully matched with Fabregas especially. His legs are, are running uh, running down low. Alonso as well. There's a few players who have fatigue now. And I think, um, of course, there's a confidence issue as well. Because I think when you're Chelsea, the players probably know when we're off the ball, we really struggle. So, for example, in Roma, you know, two goals up and then they get the third goal. In a way, it's, it's kind of human to expect the morale to be kind of low after that. Because they did make it 3-0 pretty early on in the second half. And um, that's just why I think the management has to come in and, and do things. And I think it's definitely time for a change. Our weakness is that when we have no control in a game, then we tend to concede. Now, it's looking even worse now because we're conceding from counter-attacks. Now, last season, we only conceded from set pieces and, and headers in open play. It was never from counter-attacks. But now we're conceding those two things as well as counter-attacks. And that's just telling you now that the wing-backs are really getting uh, found out. that They're getting exploited too easily. Um, really, to touch on that, like in the last few minutes, Man- Manchester United, the reason they score so many in the last 10 minutes is because of their team's stamina, because they have the energy to go through to the last 10 minutes and score. Whereas at Chelsea, Morata, as you said, uh, probably isn't fully match fit yet. Um, and... There's lots of other uh, players who are fatigued from matches in the Champions League and we haven't got a fully fit squad as we did last season where we had virtually no injuries and we didn't have to play in the Champions League. Conte's physical training sessions as well, um, everyone was talking about them. Would you say that that's a problem as, as much as travelling to other European teams or would you say that they both go hand in hand? I mean, I would say they go hand in hand in a way. But even in regards to the training methods, when the reports were coming out that the players weren't happy, that was because we played three games in a week. And on top of that, they had physical training. So naturally, their suggestion, it wasn't even an argument or issue. Their suggestion was, uh, I think it's best for us to maybe calm down a bit in training because we feel that certain players are picking up injuries they weren't picking up last year because obviously, you know, your body is more susceptible to injury when it's kind of fatigued and when it's tired. I think he has adapted that a bit. But even then, I've never ever heard any reports of Chelsea players saying, you know, love the training or anything like that. Not that they have to, but normally when uh, when they're happy with training sessions, you're normally hearing in, in press reports or in interviews, oh, you know, the training's like this, it's like that, it's good. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I've got a different theory entirely, but I just think that with Conte... And the players we have, they don't naturally 
complement each other. You know, Conte needs a, he needs more athletes in his system. He needs uh, more players that will take responsibility with things like a long shot or anything like that. And I feel our squad's more built for like a possession style of football where we have to dominate and then, you know, force the team back. And um, I don't know. Of course, we do have certain successes, as we've seen with Mourinho and Conte. But to me, it's always like going to be an inevitable implosion because... In in the at the end of the day, you're telling players to do something that they're not hundred percent accustomed to. You know, would you say that that we shouldn't be putting out our first team even in the league cup? Um, I, I mean, honestly, I think the squad is strong enough for a bit more rotation because I feel that even with the rotation options, they do complement the system. Now, back in the day, sometimes rotation wouldn't be as good because you're bringing on a player that doesn't really fit the way we're playing, but. I think this season it's different and I mean one player I think that should have been playing more is, is Christensen now I'm looking at David Luiz it's been reported a lot of times Conte said it himself a lot that the guy has injuries now he had a broken wrist which he's recovering from we've seen his right knee that's always flaring up all the time and after that Roma game in the first leg Conte spoke about Luiz having a bit of a groin strain Luiz is the type of guy he's like the old Chelsea material where he will put his body on the line but you're starting to see that it's affecting some of his performances. You know, he's making one or two mistakes that he wasn't making last season. He's sort of jumping as high because obviously his knees hurting, and um, and a lot of times when he's trying to win tackles, it's just he's not really using his his strength. He's not trying to you know outmuscle a man now because obviously he's injured. So a lot of times he's just rushing in there to win it quickly because to him. That's the safest way of winning the ball without and and with minimising any potential injuries. And I think when you're seeing something like that, take him off and play Christensen because you've got a replacement who's just as good and he's showing he can do it. There's no point. Um, I, you know, I don't understand his uh, his insistence on sometimes using the same players all the time. I mean, it's in football. It's natural that managers do have their favourites, but I don't know. Some managers just prefer. Their favourites a bit too much. Just to touch on the first leg against Roma, it was 3-3, that was at home. But nothing in the table really changed because surprisingly, Atletico Madrid drew to Carabag when we beat them 6-0. So would you say that if in the games that we win in the Champions League, if we win the next two, do you think that Roma will be able to win their game against Atletico? Because if they don't and we win our next two, then we can win the group, but if we don't, then and Roma win their next two, then we'll come second, and we don't really want to do that because then we could be drawn against the likes of Real Madrid, Juventus, PSG, of course, Bayern. I mean, really, you're right. It's imperative that we do win the group because then that's gonna, you know, boost our chances down the line. You know, we've got a bit of a bad spell. You know, playing a club like that pretty early wouldn't be to anyone's benefit. End of the day, Roma are still Roma. Now, Atletico probably should have beaten them in that first leg. Uh, against Karabat, I don't know what's happened there. I haven't seen the game to really analyse what happened. But they are still Atletico. And they're that type of team that they can rally together. And they can fight for each other and get the results when they need to. Now, I don't think they're necessarily out. I still feel that really, for us to boost our chances of you know getting out of the getting out of the group, we have to win both games. I mean, it's going to be pretty hard. Carabao away is going to be completely different to playing them at home. They do like to play more of the ball and more possession style. And I think Atletico, 
at home. Again, they, they're always beating us at home. So that's going to be a tricky one as well. Do you think we'll be able to beat Carabao away and Athletic at home? In my opinion, we should with the players we have. But again, it always comes down to the tactical approach. Now, what if Conte decides I'm going to uh, you know, try 3-5-2 and then the wing-backs can't get forward because the only reason why we did beat Atletico was because we stopped Felipe Luis at one throw and getting forward. So that, that, mean, that meant we won the midfield battle and that meant that they couldn't play themselves out. And um, I don't think Simeone is going to make that same mistake again. It's, it's one of those ones too where if they were to take the lead, they could easily hold out. So, um, I mean, it's going to be tricky, but I feel that we should be beating them. One thing that comes to my mind is that after the first leg, Conte might underestimate Karabag and go and put out a team with Musonda, Kennedy and rest Hazard, rest Marcus Alonso and then we might end up getting beat. I don't know. Even even if... I don't think Conte will do that, but even if he did, I think Musonda and Kennedy, they aren't going to weaken the team and... This is why I'm a really, I'm really a strong advocate for us having to change our style and our philosophy. Because think about it like this: they're the Azerbaijani champions. Now, really, if this was a few years back, even if they were on good form or got a good result, it, it would mean nothing because they've got limitations, as we did see. So, um, you know, maybe it's the fan of me, but any time I'm hearing us worrying about teams of that stature, it it is quite worrying for me when I hear that because it shouldn't be. A worry at all. Against teams in the Premier League, we were playing Aspilicueta as a wing-back. I mean, personally, I don't think he is a wing-back. I don't think he does as well as a wing-back as he does as a centre-back or a left-back. But he was in attack most of the time on the right, as opposed to Max Alonso on the left. So do you think we could play Aspi as a left wing-back to give Max Alonso a rest? I don't know. I think with Aspi, even then... I don't think he's as good playing as a wing-back. And to be honest, I don't think even playing as a centre-back, he's that amazing because he, he he, he especially this season has been getting found out quite a lot. Really, his best position is playing as a full-back, a defensive one. But um, again, really, I think his characteristics aren't necessarily needed in the team. I know it sounds a bit crazy what I'm saying, but I just feel that, for example, with Rudiger, when he was playing out from the back, some of the forward distribution you're getting, like that amazing pass he made for Zappacosta, Aspie or Kale would never look to attempt that pass. And it's those types of passes that can help you kickstart attacks and create attacking opportunities. And it, it all adds up and all makes a difference. And I just feel that, um, I don't know, I thought it was uh, crazy by Conte to not use Zappacosta. I mean, wasn't that the reason why we spent all that money on him in the first place? When Moses is out injured, we use him in these big games. So... That was disappointing to see that. But um, I, don't, I don't think Aspie at wing-back should ever be a thing. If anything, I was of the belief, why not experiment with him playing on the left-hand side of a back three? Because if anything, that could give more support defensively to Marcus Alonso. Then you could have Rudiger on the right or Luiz on the right. Then you could have uh, Christensen or Luiz in the middle then. I think uh, that could make a lot more sense because then it's like Aspie is playing close to his natural position. That he did under Mourinho. Obviously, playing as a wide centre-back, you can push out wides. And when you're pushing out wide, you are defending as like a full-back, in a way. So, um, I've I've always thought maybe that could be a thing. We could see that. Because he's comfortable receiving the ball 
in possession on that side as well. So, I mean, it, it looks like Conte is in his uh, creative mode again. I think I, I was told there's going to be some surprising changes in this game today. So, um, yeah, it should be interesting to see. Just to have a little dowel into transfers, Max Alonso has been rumoured to be receiving, Chelsea been rumoured to be, to be receiving a transfer offer f- for him from, I believe it was Barcelona. If Max Alonso does leave, do you think that Conte would switch to a 4-2-4 and play someone like Maybe if Baba's fit, Baba on the left or even put Aspilicueta back as a left back? I don't know because I feel with 4-2-4 to work, I mean, there's a reason why Conte's 4-2-4 didn't work and it hasn't worked for years. Even when he's tried it at Chelsea, um, that's because for 4-2-4 to work, you have to play it in the Monaco system. You know, it is an attacking system. You know, I think too often Conte cares about balance. You can't get real balance in that system. You know, if you want your... You know, as I've been noticing, any time he has tried to use four two four, I'm noticing that the wingers are the are the ones touching, the you know hugging the touchline, and then you've got the fullbacks playing in fields. Now that makes no sense to me. Why why are the fullbacks playing closer to goal than your attacking wingers? Because then you're just reducing the wingers of spamming in crosses. It should be the fullbacks out wide, and your and your wingers inside forwards tucked inside. That's how you do it. And um, again, that you know, Conte does that for a reason because he wants to keep the balance in the team. But you know, you just have to embrace sometimes the uh, the philosophy of a formation. And I think that that's why that isn't going to work. And even then, I don't know. Alonso going to Barca. I mean, who knows? I mean, Jordi Alba's been in, in really good form recently. I feel his attributes probably wouldn't necessarily suit Barca as a first team player. But as a squad player, I mean, yeah, it could. End of the day, though, I feel that you know Alonso is a decent player. He is good. He's good enough to be playing at this level, of course. But um, I feel that we can, you know, we should be targeting players with attributes, you know, tailor-made for the system we need. And unfortunately, that requires a lot of of uh, of pace, which Alonso lacks, especially recovery pace, which Alonso doesn't have at all. And also, um, you know. Better quality in the final third, for example, being able to take on a man or two and really dominate a side. Alonso can't dominate a flank by himself. And I think when you look at every top team in the world, they have fullbacks that can dominate the wide positions. And I think Chelsea, we really need to adopt that style of fullback. The money that we got from Diego Costa as well, that's been rumoured to go towards a bid for Gareth Bale. What are your thoughts <laughs> on that? Gareth Bale, that would be, uh, be interesting to see. I mean, with Bale playing as an inside forward, I mean, it could make a lot of sense tactically because, you know, Bale's favourite position is that right-hand side, playing in the half spaces where he can collect the ball, shoot from distance, especially his threat on the counter-attack as well. I mean, it would definitely be an upgrade to William and Pedro, without a doubt. But with Gareth Bale moving, I'm not, I mean, who knows? Maybe Real, I mean, if they did ever plan on selling him, that means they've got big transfer targets they're going for. You know, maybe they might get tired of his injury problems and we want a player that's going to be consistently fit for the whole season who knows but I mean if it was to come I'd embrace it because it would be a good signing it'd wind up the Tottenham fans as well so it's a positive <laughs> yeah exactly but I, can't, I mean with, I don't know Bale seems like too much of a nice guy to ever try and do that to Spurs fans I'm not too sure though would you say that we'd be better off going for Bale or waiting for Masonda to develop 
I, don't, I mean, even then, waiting for him to develop, it's like you have to play him. I just feel that, my personal opinion, Pedro and William, they're not going to get any better. We've, we've been seeing their limitations for a few years now, you know, for the past two years. I feel that you've got someone like Masunda where if we had even a quarter of the game time being afforded to Pedro and William, he'd be a much better player, used to the system and used to playing with the team. And I feel really... In my opinion, if I was in charge of the club, I'd probably sell Pedro and William. I'd afford Masunda more game time. And I'd probably go for Alexis Sanchez because, you know, his contract, he's up for negotiations in January, which is like two months away. And then he can sign for a club or a free in the summer. Now, to me, that makes more sense because then you've got a top, you've got an upgrades, a short-term upgrades. Plus, you've got the youth behind them getting a chance. And I really feel... If it was a, a Masunda, Hazard, Boga and Alexis Sanchez, I think you've got the potential for the future and you've got the top quality, you know, uh, ability that you'd need now. Bale's bio clause is actually less than they got him, uh, than Real bought him for. So I think that would be a bargain. But Masunda, I think if we do sell William and Pedro, because they are nearing, well, I think... William's 30, yeah, and Pedro's are. 29, or the other way around. But Masonda is early 20s. Exactly. And if you're in your early 20s, really, ideally, you want to be playing consistently for a club. So, I personally, I'd, I'd probably want to keep Masonda. And also, he fits the system really well, Conte's system. I mean, I mean, that's what we should be doing. We need to make that tough decision. I mean, too, too often... We keep experienced players that are showing no signs of improvement. They make the same mistakes. They show the same signs of limitations. And it's just like, yeah, they've got experience. But what does experience mean if you're only going to play well for like a, a quarter of a season? It means nothing at the end of the day. I mean, that game time could be afforded to someone that could, has the potential to become better than them. And as we've seen already, even though we've only seen Hazard and to play once against Nottingham Forest, you can see the link up with them. Obviously, with Hazard, that's going to create space for Masunda as well and vice versa. You can see their technical play on show as well. And to me, that looks like that could be an exciting possibility. I think with Berger coming back too, to me, this guy was actually better than Masunda. He's just been unlucky because every loan club he's gone to, managers are getting sacked. And, um, and uh, he's being used out of position and he's playing in teams that don't play towards the possession style of football he likes because, you know, the, the guy is a playmaker at number 10. He's not even a winger. He's a, he's, a, he's a number 10. So, it just goes to show you how um unfortunate he's been in his career so far. But I'm of the belief that even if with Gareth Bale, I think a club like Chelsea, we can't afford to spend that type of money on a player that is injured too often. I think, you know, look now, look at all the stress that having Kanti out for like three weeks is causing. Now imagine you've got Bale, he's out for two months. That 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 could really affect our season a lot more than Bale being out for Real Madrid. I think Alexis Sanchez makes sense. I can't see the guy staying there anymore. His options, Man City. I can't see Man City signing because, again, all the attacking talent they have already, that would mean one of them would have to leave. I don't see that happening. Uh, would he go abroad? I think he'd preferably prefer to stay in this country. Manchester United could be an option, but I think that really Chelsea should be going in for him. And to be honest, I wouldn't even be surprised if that was the case, because it, especially with Chelsea, 
a lot of times we are making transfers without anyone noticing. Like Zappa Costa, that came from nowhere. When we brought in Kante, that kind of came in from nowhere as well. David Luiz came in from nowhere. Marcus Alonso. I mean, there's been so, I mean, Fabregas too. I mean, there's been so many players that have been brought in and they've been worked on behind the scenes. You know, that's the type of club we are. I wouldn't be surprised if negotiations were going on for Sanchez. I've just looked up actually how much Arsenal are looking for for Sanchez because Man City were interested during the summer, so they were wanting between fifty million and eighty million for him. Oh, that's ridiculous because he he can just leave on a free end of the season. I mean, oh, of course Arsenal would want to get some money for him, but uh, I don't I don't think any. I think most clubs would probably wait a few months when the season's over to get him on a free. I mean, I mean, uh, maybe that's just rumor talk. If he was to leave, probably, I mean, they could only probably demand the maximum, you know, twenty-five million, thirty million max, and even that's pushing it. Anything above that is just crazy. Would you say that he'd suit Conte's three-five-two formation or three-five-one-one more than the three-four-three? Um, I think he he suit the three-four-three better because um, here's the thing: I, I keep stressing that for that system to work. The front players need to be better at keeping the ball. Now, we see the, the players weakest at keeping possession up there are Pedro, William, Mitchley. And, and, and at times, even though he's much better, actually, I'm not going to put Morata in that box because he is better than them. Now, if you've got Sanchez there, that's a guy that normally commands two players on, on him all the time. He's playing in those half spaces in those central positions that he likes to play in. And uh, his ball retention ability and ability to beat a man is uh, is is better compared to Pedro. And um, you know, I say it's more effective compared to William as well. I feel that I can understand why Conte wanted to go for maybe certain upgrades because he was thinking for this three four three to really do better in the round. Want it to be? I need players, you know, better at playing those positions. At the same time, that is hard because, you know, nature of football is you can't sign every chance to target you want. It is pretty hard, but I feel with Sanchez coming in, that's the type of upgrade we needed. And in my opinion, last summer, the two players I only wanted last summer was um, Sanchez and Alexandro. So, I, I mean, I still don't think it's impossible to get both of them, to be fair. I think going in for Sanchez makes the most sense because of, uh, you know, it, it, He's adapted to the Premier League. He fits the system. Uh, you know, he's in London as well, so it's not hard to negotiate any deals. I think that makes a lot of sense to go in for him. I think this season we are really, really missing the physical presence of someone like Diego Costa because Morata, I'd say, he's got he's he's not Percy. He's not really physical. He's just more well-rounded than one or the other I don't know I feel that I feel Morata is definitely faster than Costa and even though he's not as strong I feel that I don't know I, I don't agree with people making statements that we you know we, we definitely miss Costa and uh, the only thing we miss Costa for is his, his goal scoring because you know Costa the reason why he's a world class striker is not that he's necessarily one of the best footballers in terms of footballing ability but the reason why he's one of the best strikers is the fact that when the first chance comes for a team, you know, eight, nine times out of ten, he's finishing that and he's scoring. Now, we've seen games throughout the season where Morata's getting a chance in the first ten, even first 15 minutes. That's that's a clear goal. It should be a clear goal. Costa would have buried all of them and he's missing them. Now, of course, 
when you're playing in systems like Conte's and Mourinho's, for example, the early goal is the most important thing because that changes the whole dynamics of the game because that opens up opposition teams. And the earlier you get a goal, the earlier they're going to open up, the more chance you have of getting a second goal and then killing the game. I think that's one thing Morata needs to improve on, but there's things Morata does that Costa was never doing. Yeah, Costa might bully. Even then, I don't know what bullying really means because most times he was collecting the ball, he was holding it for two, three seconds, slowing play down. Every time it was a one-two pass at Hazard, most times Costa was messing that up. And I feel that he wasn't as comfortable dropping deep to link up play compared to what Morata is. I feel that with Morata, you're getting aerial ability, which Costa never showed. You know, Costa wasn't winning balls in the air. He wasn't, yeah, he might put his, yeah, he was strong physically in terms of his, his core and, and muscling opponents. But again, I, I wouldn't say necessarily it's a massive thing we're missing. If anything, the only thing we're missing is that deadly finishing ability. I think maybe in our game against Arsenal, where it finished 0-0, Costa would have been able to give us the edge. I think last season, he did give us quite a lot of 1-0 wins that gave us the three points which helped us progress to it to the title. Hundred percent, you're right. Again, that that's down to his finishing ability because again, Costa at Chelsea, unfortunately, most times he'd get one or two chances a game. That's how little we created for him. And the fact that he was getting twenty goals a season shows you his his quality because uh, you know it shows you how mentally strong he was and how clinical he was as a striker. And I feel that Morata, uh, yeah. It, I think once he adapts, because it's his first time really playing as a number one striker, and throughout his career, it's always delved on his confidence. You know, he needs to feel really confident. He needs to take a few shots on goal before he feels comfortable in uh, certain positions where he's shooting. I think that's going to come with his age. You know, Costa wasn't seen as a top striker until he was like 25, 26. I think Morata's just turned 25. So I think probably in the next season, we'll see. A much more complete Morata. I think the Morata would probably suit the three four three better than being a striker with a supporting striker or a striker with a central attacking midfielder behind him. What I like about Morata is that he is pretty versatile. Now, when I was talking about him in the summer, I like the fact that his link up play was going to be superior compared to to uh, Diego Costa's. For example, that uh, game against Bournemouth, that was Morata holding up the ball using a bit of skill to, you know, beat his man. And then he played uh, a, a, a through, you know, like a cross-field through-ball pass to Eden Hazard, who then obviously collected it and then got the first goal that won us the game. That's a tiny detail. You know, no one spoke about that detail about Morata doing that. You know, it, it was insignificant in the run of things, but that's the type of benefits that you're getting from a Morata because Costa, nine times out of ten, would have slowed it down and would have would have um, played it backwards and that scoring chance has gone then. I feel that, if anything, you know, we need to get the wing-backs forward because that's the space Morata needs because it is hard when... when Because, you know, teams do like to man-mark our front three. It is hard to constantly deal with opponents right beside you. Morata's never dealt with that. Morata was always playing off people. So, what I like about him is that he can play off people and it looks like he can hold up the ball too as well. And I think that's one facet in this game we'll get better at. But... You know, he is a much more complete footballer compared to Diego Costa. Do you think that maybe if players, like our youth system players that come back to the club, if when we give them a chance in the League Cup, if they perform 
really well in the League Cup. Do you think that maybe we should give him a chance in the Premier League if, like, someone, like, say, for example, Kante is or was out injured? I'm not sure if he's back for today. But do you think maybe instead of playing Fabregas there, we should have played Ampadu? I mean, if anything, I mean, that's a pos. I mean, to be honest, Ampadu to me could have maybe replaced a back of Yoko because even when I saw Ampadu in the few games he's played in, he likes to close down people more. His positioning is very good. And I felt that he very he works well in tandem with Drinkwater. And that wasn't because Drinkwater was telling him what to do. And Pardew already knew that naturally. Now, when I'm looking at Bakayoko and Fabregas, I feel that Fabregas is being scapegoated a lot. Really, that's the job of Bakayoko. That's really his role in the team is to provide that balance and help support. And, you know, just looking at his, his, his stats, I mean, what, 39 passes a game on average... This is it's really not good, you know. You don't see him in the game. He's not that type of midfielder that helps you build attacks. You know, he's more of a defensive mid in terms of uh, you know screening the the defense behind him. You know, the guy is not a complete player. I was trying to stress this a lot that when we are signing back Yoko, it is potential. Everyone's saying, "Oh, he'll be better than Matt. He'll be better than Yaya Torre." I feel that's a disservice to those two players because it's like you're missing the fundamentals of why. They are the world-class players they are. I think with Bakayoko, to me, it's going to be interesting. To me, he kind of reminds me of like the Ramirez situation. You know, when Ramirez first came, first three months, four months, he was pretty poor. It took him a while to get used to things. I think we'll be seeing similar things with Bakayoko. But um, again, even in terms of your point about oh, using youth players, if this was any other club, they would. I mean, when you look at Pochettino, if he has to use Harry Winks, he will. If he's got to use Carl Walker-Peters, he will. If he's got to use these guys, he will. Now, at Chelsea, when it comes down to that, very reluctant at times. You know, when, when the likes of a burger, for example, got a chance, that was because there was literally no one up front to play. You know, I feel that if Conte had maybe another midfield option, he might have even changed the system. But um, again, maybe I'm, it's a disservice to Conte, what I'm saying, because when he has had to, he's done it. But I feel that, you know, when you're seeing that players aren't in their best form or you know, that they're very tired. That's the whole point of having a squad. You've got to use these guys. And I'm not of this belief where the minute you use one young player in a team, your whole team breaks down. Because that's the thing. If if, you're, if your whole team relies on one player to do something, the, the system was already useless from the first place, you know? Just to, about youth players, they do usually play in the League Cup. Do you think that Conte will play a lot of youth players? Against Burn, oh, not Burnley, um, Bournemouth in the World Cup, not the World, the League Cup. <laughs> <laughs> the World Cup, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think he's going to continue with that. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see. I, you know, I went to the Everton game, of course. You know, Masunda, I say he, he did struggle, but then, you know, I did a lot of analysis on it afterwards, and I, you know, came to the conclusion that because of the system, it doesn't really benefit a lot. Of the uh, you know of the attacking players, I mean, you know, when I was looking at Basunda, every time he's collecting the ball, he's collecting it in the half spaces with his back to goal, and he's got two players running at him, you know, closing him down. Now he doesn't have that core strength yet because he is still only young to really be able to hold off people and then play people in. Really, you you want Basunda collecting the ball out wide, so where he can you know see what's happening in front of him, and then use his technique and skill to create space for people and I think that's the type this, this is this is what I mean when you when you have a squad sometimes you have to adapt the team to the 
to the first eleven. And I feel that too often, you know, it is a pretty hard system to play because most times playing with your back to goal is pretty hard. By that you mean collecting the ball and then having to turn and dribble to to the goal instead of collecting the ball like someone like Mishubachwai does in the box. Yeah, that's what I mean. Exactly. Collecting it back to goal and the minute before you even receive, this is the thing, before you receive the pass, you've already got pressure coming from your opponents. You're already feeling it, you know. And that that's what makes it much harder. This is why Mitchie isn't as efficient in possession because it is a hard thing to do. And um, yeah, it takes a lot of time and experience. I think it's the same with Masunda. He's never really had to deal with, uh, you know, constantly having people, um, you know, really marking him tight. Especially in, in in this league too, with a lot of there's a lot of strong, powerful players as well. I feel it's got to diversify. Sometimes you want him to receive the ball out wide, where he's got no one man marking him and then sometimes you know of course he's good enough to keep the ball under pressure but when it's a constant thing all the time it, how I you know players are human naturally your confidence will get a bit lower when you're in those situations and then yeah the poor decisions will come especially when you've already put pressure on yourself already because you want to really play well in this game to really have a chance of you know doing something this season so based on that would you say that Musonda would play as a good supporting striker to someone like Murata. I I think I I like Masunda because he is adept at playing across the front three. Uh, he he can definitely do that. I just think he's the one that really needs game time because it doesn't help playing one month and then you know playing like fifty minutes one day and then not playing for two weeks and then coming on to play you know another like ten minutes. It's, it's not beneficial and I don't see why Conte has to be like that. I mean certain games. You know, play him because, for example, that Everton game, he took Masunda off to bring on Pedro. Now, this is what I mean. I think a lot of Chelsea youngsters have a lot of unnecessary pressure put on them. Now, I know that Masunda at times wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't his greatest performance. He'd admit that himself. But when Pedro came on, he offered absolutely nothing. And no comment was made about that. He didn't offer any improvement in that regard. So I'm thinking... Why should Musunda be seen in a different light because of one performance? When when Pedro constantly has performances like these, we're seeing him do the same thing he normally does, and nothing's no comments made about it because what well, he's got experience and he's older. It's, it's almost as if when you're older and got experience, you're you're allowed to play poorly, you know, because people remember some of the good things you've done. Would you say that Masonda's comments on Instagram are hindering him getting into the first team? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I think sometimes it's one of those old-fashioned things we like to feel that it really makes a difference. If anything, Conte would have uh, probably told him not to do that. And then he probably would have discussed his future and his plans 100%. But I kind of feel that, you know, reports are coming that Masunda wants to go in January. Me, personally, I feel he should because, you know, really this guy... He could have been, you know, like an Mbappe, not an Mbappe, but I mean, why not an Mbappe? He could have been a Bernardo Silva, a Lamar. He could have been a big player. He could be an international already because, you know, before um, he went on loan to Betis, it was two years ago, Arsenal and Monaco made bids to Chelsea to bring him in and to sign him. Now, imagine if he went to Arsenal then. There's a chance he would have played over Awobi. And look how many games Awobi's played for Arsenal. Imagine if Masunda had that same game time and experience playing for a good team. Look at Monaco. If they had signed Masunda, there's a chance that um, uh, Lamar might never have been have signed. And imagine if Masunda's playing up front with Falcao 
Mbappe, Bernardo Silva, and he's got Mendy out supporting him. These are the things that make a difference because then it makes an attacking player's life easier because they can play to their strengths more. And when they're playing to their strengths more, they're putting in good performances. And then those good performances are being seen by the bigger clubs in Europe. I mean, it's how football works. And this is why, I mean, I don't like how everything comes down to luck a bit too much. But I mean, that's unfortunately how football is. You know, if you're lucky enough to take an opportunity, if you're lucky at the club, are going to let you go. If you're lucky to go to the right loan club, I mean, there's so many different factors, you know. What big teams uh, in Europe do you think would take Masonda on a loan move? Well, this is the thing. Unfortunately, with loan moves, most times, you know, most clubs aren't really looking for first-team players for uh, for loan moves. I mean, when we've, when we've seen Baker and Christensen, for example, that was because a two-year loan group, uh, loan fee and loan deal was agreed that's why they're more susceptible to doing that. But most times, clubs just use loan signings as uh, as squad depth. That's the reality of football. So this thing that you necessarily need a loan move isn't beneficial. I mean, it helps if you're a teenager, but when you're in your 20s and stuff, it's not really the best. So I really think now it's about getting a transfer because at Chelsea, too often, a lot of players are actually priced up from going to good loan clubs because... The club want a lot of money for the wages or a loan fee to be paid on. And there's all these clauses about if you don't play in this amount of games, you have to pay this amount. And that puts off a lot of teams. So I feel that really to do anything, you have to leave Chelsea. You have to sign for a club and just focus on you know getting game time and, and working from there. Do you think that our squad depth could be fixed by bringing in loan players? Yeah, 100%. Because a lot of them do complement what we want to do. Um... You know, we've got, I mean, there are some players that left that shouldn't have. I'm looking at Jaloba. Honestly, I don't see why Baka was signed, in my opinion, because I feel Jaloba could have done a better job. I mean, you know, it's like, this is what I don't understand. It's like an unfair bias. I mean, Bakayoko is probably going to take a, a few months to really get used to things. So why is he allowed to have those few months of a season where we're trying to challenge and, and win things to adapt to the team when we already had a player that was already adapted why was it seen as a risk to start Chiloba over a, a Bakayoko that's going to take how many months to start performing well? You know, this is, this is the inconsistencies that happen all the time at Chelsea. I mean, Bertrand Chiori, you know, this guy is like a Griezmann-esque striker with how he plays. He would have suited the front three perfectly because of his, his hold-up play, his finishing. He can play, he's comfortable playing out wide and in the middle. He can play people in. He made a lot of sense, for some reason wasn't looked at. You know, midfielders like a Pasalic, whatever, even though I think he's decent. He could have done something. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, you know, the likes of Bergeras, but there's a lot of players out there that could provide that. I mean, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, for example, he's another one. He's playing in midfield, but seeing what he's doing in the Premier League. Crystal Palace Player of the Month, England International now. He is a natural box-to-box player. Now, he's there for a whole year at Chelsea. Conte never once played him in midfield, kept stupidly playing him up front or out wide. And it's like, why? It's just like, too often, these managers that have no affiliation to the youth team, or even know most of them, constantly jeopardise their career by by misusing them, you know? And um, I, I just don't think it's right. And uh, it, it is frustrating because, again, imagine Ruben off the cheek playing box-to-box in our midfield now. That, that's what we need. You know, Bakayoko, everyone was praising him about being this box-to-box guy. How often do you see him doing anything similar to being box-to-box? And I even told people when we sign him, he's not going to be playing box-to-box. He's going to be playing the Matic role. And you know why? You're not really cemented 
that Anyar was right because in a press conference later on, Conte basically stated that he hoped Matic was going to stay because he wanted Bakayoko to learn from him. Now, why would Conte want Bakayoko to learn from Matic? Because Conte wants Bakayoko to obviously adopt the tactical way that Matic plays. It's simple as that. Do you think that Conte's depth issue is partially because of his own... Yes. I don't know whether to say inability, but he doesn't want to pick players that are already at the club that could do the job. Yeah, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head. I mean, 100%. I mean, a lot of this was avoidable. You know, if he had offered more game time, if you... I mean, for example, you know, why why did the Shaloba want to leave? You know, why did the Ruben Loftus want to leave? No one asked the questions, why did these players want to go? It's because they saw that with the manager, it was going to be impossible to get a fair chance. They were already being misused. I mean, for example, last season, the amount of games where we won the game in the 60th minute, a young guy, you know, a Shaloba could have got 20 minutes, 30 minutes in a game. Forever making substitutions in the 70th minute and 80th minute for what? You know, when you're a young guy trying to make your career, that's not good enough. And to think, if you know, if you're going to adopt into Chelsea's supposed philosophy where it's about trying to bring these guys in and you're not doing anything to do that, then there's no surprise that they're going to want to leave. Part of our problem is that, obviously, we can't keep a clean sheet. That our defence, he's is also indecisive on that. We've played... So, so many back threes or back fives combinations this season. And I think that we should just find one or have a system that we know who's going to be playing there. I don't know, though. I don't, I don't think that's too much of an issue. I mean, that's just a natural thing in football. At Juventus, he was constantly doing that with, with, the, with the back line. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, it's, to be fair to Conte, injuries have really forced him to change the back three. It's not like he's had a fully fit a defence and he's just, you know, tinkering for no reason. And even then, that decision of Kale playing on the right, really, that wasn't the reason why we lost the game. You know, the, the other reasons I've stated in this podcast are why we've been so weak in these areas. I don't think Kale playing on the right did anything, really. And to be honest, maybe that makes a bit more sense for him to play on the right where he's more comfortable receiving the ball and defending and playing out, you know? I think maybe why not you know, Rudiger's already shown that he's more adept at playing on the left. It didn't. I didn't see anything wrong with it, in my opinion. I mean, the only wrong thing he did really was playing Aspie as a wing back instead of uh, Zappacosta. I think if we play Cahill on the right, he'd be more suited there because he's got yeah. the pace of Moses, so he doesn't have to cover as much as if he would when he's playing on the left with Max Alonso. Exactly. So this is what I mean. I don't understand why. It, it became a criticism because of that and it, to me it just shows that a lot of these like football people or journalists don't really know anything they're talking about that's it really I'm just going to wrap it up here alright guys thanks for listening to this episode of the Boost Chelsea podcast if you did enjoy the podcast don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a 5 star review as well as share on social media so that was Nuni FC his links are in the show notes And that's all we've really got. So stay tuned for the next episode and we'll see you then.